Worship God even here in this space, even here together. That's just the most beautiful thing. And God will use all sorts of things to be able to help us to worship Him, to be able to bring us together and praise His name, right? And so we just, yeah, we're so glad that you are here this morning. If you're visiting with us, welcome. I'm Pastor Geraldine. I'm one of the pastors here and it is great to be with you. And I am going to keep going through the Word of God as we have been the last few weeks we are in a topic called knowing know your enemy or knowing your enemy and uh, we've had some really powerful powerful weeks and uh, this is going to be just the same it's going to be something that speaks to you I believe that God has got a word in season for you so buckle in gets ready get ready I've got lots of scripture for you this morning and so we are really going to get into it are we ready tell me that you're ready in the chat this morning that you are excited for what God is going to do in and through the word today right I am very excited so we are going to get right into it we are going to jump into our key scripture And that key scripture this morning and has been for the last few weeks is 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 8 and 9 and this is what it says it says stay alert watch out for your great enemy the devil he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour stand firm against him and be strong in your faith remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are what a powerful powerful scripture You know, the last few weeks, we've learned a few things. The very first week, we learned who the enemy is and where he came from. Context is key, right? We need to know the context about the enemy. The second week, we looked at the enemy's character because when we know about the enemy's character, we understand how he will behave. And so we can be prepared and ready for what to expect because at his core is deceit right? At his core is deceit. And he will try to trick us into uh, about who he is, about who we are and about who God is. And so that's really important for us to remember. And last week we looked at the allies of the enemy, the flesh and the world and how the enemy uses those against us um, and to his advantage. Again, we need to be ready. And that scripture in Peter reminds us to stay alert. And I think this has been a theme that has come right through. We must be alert and ready. This week we are going to continue to delve into knowing your enemy and we are going to look at some of the tools that the enemy uses uh, to be able to come against us and how we can combat those with our very own arsenal right it's good it's good so anyone who has been a parent or who has been a child so that's everybody is included in this we know the power of a question Okay, we know the power of a question. It can make you or break you. And this week um, I looked up some funny questions that kids asked. So here are a few that I found. The first one is, Dad, are there infinite words? The dad replies, no, son, but there are infinite numbers. And the kid says, well, if there is a word for every number, then there must be infinite words. Good reasoning, right? That makes sense. The second uh, funny question was, why did swear words get invented if we're not allowed to use them? Fair call. Uh, Why don't crabs have eyebrows? 
Good. Another good question. If I'm pretty sure they don't have eyebrows, but you know, good question. Maddie asked me this week, my nine-year-old, she said to me, mum, if the middle finger is rude, does that mean that the middle toe is rude as well? <laughs> the things kids ask. I don't, didn't even know how to answer that question. Uh, questions can also drive us a little bit nuts. Are we there yet? Everybody's used that question probably before. Are we there yet? What's for dinner? Why? Why? Just one little word and it can really drive you a little bit nuts. Lockdown questions, of course. Uh, what can I eat constantly? Uh, when can I go and see my friends? Uh, can I go somewhere? And what does that change mean? I think we've all asked those questions. But... Today what I want to tell us or what I want, to, want us to be aware of is one of the enemy, one of the things that the enemy uses is the power of a question. And he will use questions to make us doubt ourselves. He'll create doubt. He'll try to rattle us. He will try to knock our confidence and sometimes just shift our focus, among other things, of course. And when we walk by faith, the, the reality is that sometimes questions come to us that cause us to maybe question that faith or challenge our faith. And we might begin searching for answers that were actually always supposed to be part of the mystery of faith. Like, how is God three in one? Good question, right? Why did God not heal me? I'm sure we have all asked some of those questions before. And usually the enemy will pose that question at the very right moment, at the perfect opportunity. He will pose a question knowing that the answer that is set before you is going to be what he wants you to hear. Or knowing that the people that you're talking to are going to compound the question that you're asking or he's asking rather. Or knowing that you are in a weak moment. There's a moment of weakness and you have found yourself after a big day in a place where you just weakened and he will pose that question. One of the enemy's most underestimated tools is that humble question. And if we're not aware and we're not prepared, we will potentially succumb to that question, which was designed to knock our faith or take us out of our walk with Jesus. Um, and so we just need to be aware. So we're going to pray this morning. Can you pray with me? God, we just, we love your word. God, and we know that you've got something that you want to speak to us this morning. Would you open our hearts and our minds to whatever it is that you would like to say? God, we are open. We are open to being changed and transformed and challenged this morning. So God, would you do what only you can do through your word? Bring us truth in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You know, Pastor Nate last week explored two ways that we can respond to the enemy. And I'm going to recap a little bit the questions that come from the enemy. Recap a little bit. The first one is that we can engage. And the second one is that we can resist. You know, when we engage, we give the enemy power. And we let him use his clever, he's clever, we, he is very clever, uh, use his clever ability and reasoning to shift our focus from what is most important or what God is saying. 
And when we resist, which doesn't mean running away, let's remind ourselves of that, but responding in a firm and confident manner, we stand strong in our place of faith, right? Now, I am a beach girl. I love the beach. I love going to the beach. I love swimming. I even went for a swim this morning, which I know most of you will be like, what? And I probably thought, what? But it was really good. And I'm so glad that I did it. But the thing about the beach is sometimes I feel like um, I can be really confident or sometimes I'm a little more timid. And I find that if I'm timid and I find the waves are coming towards me and I'm not standing my ground properly or I'm a little bit unsure about what to do, they're the moments that I'm most likely to lose my footing and come unstuck and probably get dumped. But when I enter the water and I am confident and I dive under the wave or I make sure that my feet are firmly planted on the sand, then I am much more confident with the wave coming towards me and I find I'm less likely to get dumped because responding with confidence is always the best option, right? Responding with confidence is always a good thing. And when the questions come our way, when the enemy throws questions our way, we need to be ready and confident to respond. You know, sometimes that response will be just something that we need to tell ourselves in our mind. And other times we might need to be a little bit more vocal about it. We're going to look at two scriptures today, two lengthier scriptures so hold on we've got this and we are going to look at two examples uh, that give us an idea about the questions that the enemy will pose but also how what he's taking aim at and how we can respond so our first one comes from Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 to 7 I'm sure familiar with this scripture will be familiar with most of you And it says this, the serpent was the shrewdest, another version says the most crafty, of all the wild animals the Lord had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any of the trees of the garden? Just twisting what God had said, obviously. Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. And I imagine quite confidently, no, that's not what God said. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. In verse 3, we see the question that starts the ball rolling in one of the most life-altering events in history. Did God really say, you must not eat from the fruit of any tree in the garden? Did God really say? And Eve confidently responds, oh no, that's not what God said. And then the enemy quickly comes back after twisting God's words just a little bit to say, you will not certainly die. 
the serpent says, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. The first way that the enemy will direct questions to us is about the character of God and who God is, his identity, his reality and what he can do. You know, the enemy used an easy question right right up front. It was a very easy question that Eve could answer very easily and kind of took her off, like got her off guard then. She was able to engage and correct the enemy. That's not what God said. But then he comes back with a retaliation that actually doesn't seem that bad. Well, no, that's not what's going to happen. God, because, you know, if we think it through logically, God is good and wisdom and knowledge, they're good. And so therefore, how bad can this decision really be? And it really made her question whether God had been totally honest and whether God really knew best for them in that moment. And we see that the result is that the knowledge of good and evil becomes theirs and that their intimate relationship with God has been damaged because of a decision to answer the question with what I imagine would have been, how bad can it be? You know, maybe God got it wrong. And well, the rest is history. You see, God grows us and he loves us and he wants the very best for us. And sometimes it is protecting us from something that is good, but not beneficial for us. And in this case, what the enemy showed Eve was that the thing that the tree represented was good. It was good. And therefore it made her think, the enemy made her think that to eat from it would also be a good decision. But funnily enough, God knew better. And the enemy twisted what God had said to make it sound like nothing bad would happen. So the enemy will use questions to try and get us to doubt God, his ability, his character, who he is, what he has said. And when we are aware of this, we can take steps to prepare ourselves in that regard. You know, the other thing that he will do is ask us questions to make us doubt ourselves and question our identity. So this example comes from Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Understandably, right? The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone." Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And this, I, all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Jesus has a very different experience to Eve. 
He finds himself in a place of weakness physically, so physically weak. And the enemy comes right at the very last second. He's been 40 days and 40 nights fasting in the wilderness. I just want to tell people, hangry is a real thing, people. So I get where Jesus would have been, you know, at that point. But the enemy says this, if you are the son of God, and often the enemy might pose something as a statement that makes us question who we are. If you are the son of God, prove it. So what it could be rephrased as, are you really the son of God? Prove it. How many times can you remember a moment of weakness? I can remember plenty. Perhaps you had a moment of weakness when you were on that diet and the temptation was too great to eat the Whitaker's milk chocolate coconut block that was in your cupboard. Yes, it happens. And yes, we all have our moments of weakness. The struggle's real. But in all seriousness, perhaps you have had a really tough season through lockdown and you are feeling or have been feeling isolated and alone or maybe you've missed another job opportunity or perhaps you've been suffering something physically and the pain is real and it's just too much maybe you've been working so hard at work and you are just exhausted with very little time to rest maybe that's where you're finding yourself right now And any of those situations and so many more can take us to a place where we feel weak, where we feel like it is, and they're the the opportunities that the enemy will take to throw a question our way, to question our character, to question who we are and the identity that we know we have in God. Questions like this, do you really think God will heal you? You're not worth it. Why do you think you would be good enough to even get that job? You're a failure. Did you really think you could successfully homeschool your kids? Of course the weather is good this morning. God's got it in for you. You've got to go to church instead. Even little things like that. We get to these places where we are weakened because we have had a moment or the questions have been coming and the enemy designs these questions to get into our thinking, to get into what we know to be true about ourselves and question who you are and what God has planned for you. Well, I want to give you another scripture this morning and it's this. It's from 2 Corinthians 12 verse 8 to 10 where Paul is talking about the thorn in his side that made him weak. It says this, three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In our weakness, we are strong. You see, in Matthew, we find that Jesus was taken to a place of temptation where the devil tried to create doubt in his mind while he was weak. Doubt on whether he was actually going to be able to fulfill the mission that God had placed before him. Doubt about his role on earth and all that he had to do. And he was here to show people a new way of life. He was here to show people a life that would lead to freedom for everybody. 
He made a question in his mind, or the enemy tried to make him question his sonship as well as his father all at the same time. If you are, then prove it. But Jesus, unlike Eve who engaged and tried to reason the point, gave a very clear and definitive, confident rebuttal to the temptation that was before him. He didn't try to correct the enemy because, I mean, after all, he did use the word. But what Jesus did was took the word and like slammed it back and said, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It was a confident and direct response No argument, just truth. He goes on to do this again with the same response. It is written until finally he just says, No, enough, devil. Enough. Worship God only, no one else. Jesus was convicted. He stood firm in his weakness and he was strong in that place. You know, Genesis verse 6, the word says that after Eve had listened to the serpent, she was convinced. It says the woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. She was convinced by the enemy. She had a a well-reasoned argument that came to her and that was all it took to convince her that maybe God wasn't right and maybe this she should do. And then the course of history was changed. She was convinced by one clever argument. You know, to be convinced means to make someone believe, usually by logic, argument or reason. Eve didn't hold that same firm conviction. And therefore, when someone came along who had what seemed to be a better argument, she was easily able to go towards that and was convinced that going against God would be the right thing to do. Jesus, on the other hand, was convicted. He could not be swayed. Convicted means you have a firmly held belief. Jesus had a firmly held belief that nothing and no one would distract him from the mission that he was on and no one would trick him into believing something that was not actually true. A great example of our key scripture, stand firm, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. That is what Jesus did. We must be convicted, church. We must stand firm. This is our mantle. We are not to be swayed on the things of God. We are not to be convinced by the things of the world and of the flesh and what the enemy would throw our way that seek to draw us away from God. That is not where we are. Let me tell you something this morning. Nothing that God says to you will be contrary to His Word. Not one thing. Nothing that anyone tells you is from God will be contrary to His Word. It is the reason we start, it's one of the reasons why we study the Bible. It is one of the reasons why the Word of God is so, so important. Because when we are washed by the water of the Word, we know, we know what is the truth. We know what we need to stand on. We know why we are convicted. We understand all of these things. And so we are able to be standing firm. No matter what comes our way, the study of Bible is not just for pastors and theologians. Let me just tell you that. But it is for every single believer. Every single believer needs to know the Word of God. We're not going to memorize it, but we have it at our disposal. 
You know, if you feel like God is saying something or you are being asked a question that you are not sure about, you need to measure it up with the only place that is worth measuring it against. And that is the Word of God, the truth of God, His unchanging Word. You know, I've just seen this week, young adults had this great thing on how to read the Bible. We had our staff devotion and Pastor Mel brought a word about the Word. And it is, it's just being reminded all the time that the Word is so powerful. At the core of our being, we need to know who we are and who God is. And we find that through His Word. His promises are in His Word. So that when the questions come, we are not taken by surprise. And we do not turn away from the very thing God has told us simply because somebody comes in with a compelling argument. Sounds right? Probably is. No, that's not true. We remain steadfast in the knowledge that what God has said to us is the truth. Let me tell you something else today. You are loved. You are a valued child of God. You have a purpose on this earth. You do not have to be perfect. You are worthy. You are deserving of love. You can hear from God. You will hear from God. You are a carrier of the Holy Spirit and you operate under His authority and with authority. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you have a firmly held belief that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life? Because if you do, then your life will reflect that. If you do, then you will know without a shadow of a doubt that that is the only way to live. Do you believe this morning that you are designed and purposed with a call from God? Because when something comes along to tell you differently, you will know that that is not the truth. And you can walk in confidence. Stay alert, Peter says. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. We are not Eve, but we are also not Jesus. But we have the same position as Jesus. We are aware. I feel like Eve was not aware was not aware that the only voice she needed to listen to was God's. And the only voice that Jesus did listen to was God's. He knew the truth. And that is where we stand today. We have all the tools that Jesus had to combat the enemy, to resist the enemy. So next time a question comes along that would try to make you doubt who you are or doubt who God is, I want you to stand on this Word. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand against Him and remind yourself to resist the enemy's questioning schemes because the enemy's questions are designed to make you doubt God and make you doubt yourself. But when we are aware, we can resist the enemy and he will flee. And we stand on the conviction of the Word and of the Spirit and no amount of convincing will sway us because we are the people of God. We are His children. We are called and we are purposed with His plan for this world. You know, I just want to remind us that not all questions are bad. Yes, questions from the enemy usually are. But not all questions are bad. And when we look back, there are some questions that are very important in our lives that actually shape us into the 
into the way that we are to go and help us to realise the lies maybe that we have been living in, the lies that we have believed about ourselves or God. You know, when we go back to Eve in Genesis, God says to her, who told you that? Who told you that? And I want to ask you the same thing this morning. Who told you that? Who told you that lie that you are believing about yourself? Who told you that you are not enough? Who told you that you will never be free? Who told you that your family will never be saved? Who told you that you'll never get a job that you love? Who told you that you are alone and no one cares? Who told you that? What are you, have you been convinced of? Do you feel confused by the questions that you are being bombarded by or are you standing firm on the truth that never fails you? You know, our defence is not an argument. Our defence is our faith. Our weapon is truth. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides joints and marrow and soul and spirit. It is amazing. What is the area of weakness that you find yourself in? Or that the, the place that the enemy currently has a foothold? Is it about God? Is it about you? Where is it? Where is that weakness? Because this morning as we close, I want to remind us of another scripture. That reminds us about who we are and the arsenal that God has equipped us with every day to combat the questions of the enemy, every fiery dart the enemy throws our way. And it's this, it's Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 18. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armour so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. And that strategy, of course, one of those is the questions that come. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body of armour of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery darts of the, air, of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Come on, we have this incredible arsenal at our disposal. We have the Word of God. We have truth and righteousness and peace and faith and salvation and the Spirit. We have everything that we need. We are never underprepared. You are never underprepared. You are always prepared and you are ready for whatever the enemy might try to throw against you. We are ready to fight the good fight, knowing that it is not against flesh and blood. It is not against each other. It is about the, the rulers, the principalities of this world, not one another. 
You know, I want to just tell you that it's okay if you've realised today that you have engaged with the enemy and you have been trying to respond to the enemy's questions. It's okay. I've got an answer for you and his name is Jesus because we get to engage with the giver of life, Jesus Christ, and He is the one who will help us to recalibrate, to redesign the truths that we are standing on and to believe the things that He says about us, not what the enemy has said about you. So if you think that you have engaged with the enemy, maybe you've done it inadvertently. Maybe you haven't even realised, but you know that there is something that you are believing about yourself that is not true. Or maybe you have felt bombarded by questions and they have built up and up and up to a point where you just feel like you have built a wall built a wall between you and God. Well, I want to tell you this morning that Jesus' name can break down every wall, that Jesus' name can break down every stronghold we have built up against Him and that He is here with you right now, wants to move powerfully in your life. So I want to declare if that is you this morning, would you take a moment, just take a moment to recognise that maybe you have believed something about God or yourself that is not true. Take a moment to recognise what it is and to stand firm against the enemy right now. So God, we pray right now that for every person who knows that they may have engaged, Lord God, for those of us who have believed a lie that we do not need to believe anymore or we have built up a wall, God, I pray right now that You would pull down that wall, that You would break that stronghold, Lord God, that You would do what only You can do, that You would bring Your truth to that situation. Lord God, that our minds would be refreshed, that our minds would be renewed, Lord God, right now with the truth that comes from You, who You are, who we are in Jesus' mighty Name. And I thank You, Lord God, that this moment is a stake in the ground. This moment is a line in the sand where we can step past and know, and know never again will I believe that lie. Never again. Never again in Jesus' mighty Name will I take the enemy's Word against Your Word, God. Never again. So Father, we just thank You for Your presence right now.